Well, I'm assuming that I'm not the only parent that has this happen to them. Uh, So, for example, it's getting close to dinner time. I'm putting the finishing touches to my duck a l'orange, just about to dish up. And one of the kids, say, Justin, he's in the lounge room reading a book. He's engrossed in it, invariably up to a really great part, but regardless, it's almost dinner time. And so I send, say, Alex to go and tell Justin to come in for dinner. So off Alex trots, and I can hear him say, Justin, Dad says it's time to come for dinner. Now, at this point, I'm not sure what goes on through Justin's mind, but my guess is that it's something like, do I have to? This is a really exciting part of my book. I don't really want to come just yet. I'll just finish the chapter. And it was just Alex that said to come in. He did say Dad said. Would have been better if he'd left that bit out. Meanwhile, my duck a l'orange is plated up. The rest of the family's ready. Justin's still not with us. And so I stick my head in the lounge room and I call Justin's name with a little bit of emphasis to get his attention. Justin. And immediately, book goes down coming. At my voice, it's a word he can't ignore. Not that he really thought he could brush off what Alex said, but as soon as it's me talking, he pays even more careful attention. Now, just in case you're wondering, I checked with Justin whether I could tell that story this morning. And I mention it because it's this kind of thing that's happening in our verses uh, that we're looking at in the book of Hebrews today. As we saw last week, uh, God spoke to the Israelites through the prophets As we continue on in chapter 2, we see that God also spoke through angels back in the Old Testament. And for the Old Testament Israelites, what God said through the angels was like Justin hearing Alex telling him what Dad had said. And they knew they couldn't just brush those words aside. But in these last days, God has spoken by his son. And that's a word you can't ignore. As soon as it's the word of God, the Son, you pay even more careful attention. So come with me to chapter 2, verse 1, the conclusion of all that we're looking at this morning. This is the bottom line of what God is saying to us today. Chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. So that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? The message spoken by angels was binding. And we'll see what that message was in a second. But the writer's point is, if the message through angels was binding, how much more so God's message through his son? And so we're to pay even more careful attention so that we don't drift away from Jesus. And the way we pay attention to God's word by his son is by reading our Bibles. Because the way we know God's word by his son is from those who were there and heard him. Keep reading in verse 3. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God's word of salvation by his son, the son himself told it first when he was on earth, and then 
those who were with him and heard him, they told others. The people that were there at the time of Jesus Christ, they passed on God's word. They spoke it. Thankfully, they wrote it. We have it in our Bibles. God's great word of salvation by his son. That in Jesus of Nazareth, we have God become man. Come to save by dying and rising from the dead in the place of a rebellious humanity and that out of all people, the glorious son would be the one who would die for us to bring us eternal salvation. And so, of course, we're going to be paying even more careful attention to this word. And we do it by reading our Bibles, reading the scriptures. It's just part and parcel of our everyday living. And I'm not saying this as a rule for Christian living. You know, the 11th commandment, you must have a quiet time every day. It's not like that. No, reading our Bibles, it's more like breathing air. We don't say breathing is a rule that you have to live by. We just breathe to live. Well, reading our Bibles, it's not a rule to live by. We just read God's word to live, to live with Christ, to continue in him so that we don't drift away, so that we don't ignore Such a great salvation. And so, of course, we're reading our Bibles to make sure we're paying even more careful attention to God's word by his son. Because if God's message by his angels was binding, how much more his word by his son. But what was his message by the angels? It's a little bit of a strange one, though, isn't it? Well, from elsewhere in the Bible, we know that the Old Testament law was given through angels. We read this in places like Acts 7 and Galatians 3. The verses will come up on the screen for you. Uh, Firstly from Acts chapter 7, and this is at the conclusion of Stephen's speech to the Jews just before they stone him. He says, And now you have betrayed and murdered him, that's Jesus, you who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. Paul says the same thing in Galatians 3, again on the screen. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. And the Old Testament Israelites, they knew that the law was binding. Even though it was given through angels, it wasn't a case of, you know, take what you please. If you went against God's law, even though it was just given through the angels, there could be dire consequences. As the writer of Hebrews says, every disobedience received its just punishment. But the Son is greater than the angels. Which means if we ignore God's word by his son, it'll be far worse for us. And so we're to pay even more careful attention to this word so that we do not drift away. And to help us in our conviction that we will be the people who are paying more careful attention to God's word by his son, the writer uh, writes at length about how much greater the son is than the angels. He really wants us to catch the gravity of our situation. He wants us to see the sheer majesty of the Son so that we will pay careful attention to God's word through him and not ignore his salvation. So how is the angel, uh, how is Jesus, sorry, how is the Son greater than the angels? Well, the first point is that the angels simply are not the Son. We saw last week a little bit about what it means to be the son and the angels, they were never given that privilege. 
So Hebrews chapter 1, back at verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. First way that the Son is greater than the angels. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I've become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. God never said that to any of the angels. They don't get to call God father. They're not the son. In fact, they're so far below the son, they worship him. The angels never had a chance to claim equality with the son, let alone superiority, because by the decree of God, the angels worship the son. Verse 6. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Seriously, worship him. And the reasons the angels worship the son is because the angels, they're just mere creatures. Verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. This is a quote from Psalm 104. And Psalm 104 is all about God's rule over his creation. And the angels are simply part of God's created order. And so they worship the Son. Now, the writer to the Hebrews, he could just stop here, couldn't he? I mean, he's made his case, surely. Clearly, Jesus is greater than the angels. I mean, it's a little bit like me trying to convince you that Mount Everest is taller than Mount Kosciuszko. I mean, it's just so obvious. But the writer really wants to ram his point home. And so he just keeps going by showing that the Son is God. He's divine. That's why the angels worship him. Verse 8. But about the Son, he, that's God, he says about the Son, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And if it isn't enough that God speaks to the Son and addresses him as God, God the Father also speaks of the Son as the one who created the universe. And as we all know, God created the universe. So if the Son created the universe, he must be God. Verse 10, he, that's God again, he also says to the Son... In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. God the Father, speaking of the Son, saying that he remains the same. The Son, his years will never end. He laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. The Son, Jesus, he's God. You're getting a sense of just how much superior he is to the angels. It's like comparing the the Taj Mahal to a weather-beaten shack. Or it's like comparing the view from the top of Mount Everest to the view from the top of Mugger Hill out in the Dunedoo Road. Or it's like comparing the light from the sun to the light from a handheld torch. Jesus, he just dwarfs the angels. There is no comparison. And to make sure we don't miss what he's saying, the writer makes one more point, and it's that the sun, he rules with authority. Whereas the angels, 
They serve. Verse 13. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? See, the angels are mere messenger boys for God. They're sent ones, sent to serve even us who will inherit salvation. But God addresses the son and tells him to sit at his right hand. I'll make your enemies a footstool for your feet. See, the son rules Whereas the angels serve. It's like the difference between being a butler in a palace and being the king. Jesus has clout. He has authority, rule, dominion given to him by God the Father himself. It is hard to miss the author's point, isn't it? Jesus, the son, he just towers over the angels. But here's the thing. Even when God spoke through his angels, that word from God, the Old Testament law, it counted. It was binding. It wasn't negotiable. Just because it came through the butlers didn't mean the Old Testament Israelites could dismiss it. You read your Old Testaments. The punishments that the Israelites had to endure for disobeying the law were terrifying. And if God's word through his butlers... If his word through his angels was binding, how much more when he speaks by his son? So make sure you pay more careful attention to God's word by his son. Chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding... And every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Please do not ignore so great a salvation. The permanent forgiveness of sins, eternal life, brought into the very family of God, loved by God. You now can call him Father. And it's all only through the Son. So please Do not ignore so great a salvation, for you will not escape God's punishment if you do. And so, as the writer says in verse 1, we must pay more careful attention so that we do not drift away. That's a scary little verse, isn't it? Because drifting away is subtle, it's slow. And it's hard to notice because you're still moving. It's just that you're moving in the wrong direction. And if you don't do something, you'll just keep drifting, sliding further and further away. You ever heard the line, even a dead dog can swim with the tide? Drifting doesn't take effort. When I was a kid, Dad would take us out in the boat and we'd go fishing on the river. And when we'd get to one of our favourite spots, Dad would just, you know, kill the engine and we'd slow down, we'd get our lines ready, we'd cast them into the river and and we'd just, you know, float on down. It was really lovely, slowly drifting on the river. If we wanted to get back to a certain spot, well, Dad would have to start up the engine again, you know, turn us around, drive us back. But to drift along, to drift away, we didn't have to do a thing. That's what it's like to drift away from Jesus. It's not hard. (laughs) In fact, you don't have to do anything. 
to drift away from Jesus. Just do nothing with your Christian life. Make no effort at all in your following of Christ and you will slowly but surely drift away from him. You won't notice it at first. Things will apparently seem as normal, just like they've been for years maybe. So, for example, you're coming along to church. It's part of your weekly routine. Been going for years. But then a work commitment comes up. And the boss is asking you to come in on Sunday. You don't want to do it. And you wrestle with it, but uh, look, it's just a one-off. So sure, you'll come in. Before long, the boss is on your case again for another, another Sunday. It wasn't meant to be like this. But you did say yes to the boss last time, and so you're going to work again. Then it's a sporting commitment for you or your kids. A birthday comes up. And every time it just gets that little bit easier to say no to church and yes to other things. And before you know it, you only come to church once a month and you're not even troubled by it. And once a month becomes once every few months and and you tell yourself you're not drifting away from Jesus. It's just that you don't really go to church anymore. No, you're drifting away from God the Son and you don't even know it. Can also be seen in our attitude to our reading of the scriptures. Reading your Bible shifts from something that you're doing, or at least trying to do, and it shifts to something that you know you should do, to something that you feel guilty about not doing, to something that you just quietly ignore, because you know you've heard it all before, and so you you know you don't really need to read God's word anymore. It's okay. Drifting away from Christ means that slowly. Over time, the things of Christ, his people, his word, his plans, his priorities, what used to be really important to you, it's just eased off. And you now sit loosely to him because you've drifted away. Like a boat without an anchor. You were nearby, but over time you're now a long way away. Sadly, we all probably know people who've drifted away from Christ. Slowly, unintentionally, without even knowing it. But they've long left the safe harbour of salvation in Christ Jesus. So I need to ask you this morning, are, are you in danger of this happening to you? Do an honest self-assessment. If your life was a radar screen... What size of a dot would Jesus be making right now? How loudly would he be bleeping on your radar? Are you staying close? You know, is he right at the centre of things? Is he defining everything in your life? Or is Jesus a bit more off-centre? He's there on your screen, still figuring in a few things, but he, he hasn't got your full attention. Or is he right on the edge, barely making an impression? You haven't given the sun serious thought or attention for a long while. In fact, well, you can't remember the last time he really factored in your thinking about anything. Brothers and sisters, honestly, where are you at with Jesus? With God the Son. 
the one whom angels worship, the one who laid the foundations of the earth, the one who rules forever. Where are you at with God, the Son? If you're in danger of drifting away from him, please heed God's warning to you today. Do not drift away. If you're convinced in any measure about Jesus, God the Son, if you have even the slightest inclination towards him, then please pay more careful attention. Pay close, constant attention to what you have heard so that you do not drift away. Heed the word of God. Hear his voice. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit would take this word and implant it deeply within our hearts. Father, please fill us, saturate us with joy and conviction in Jesus, your son, that, Father, we would pay even more careful attention to your word to us by him. Father, we do not want to drift away. Please, please, Father, give us what we need that we might stand fast, anchored by Jesus himself as your very children. And we ask it in his name. Amen.